Welcome to episode 513 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, December 21st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by both Eno Sayers and Jason Collette. Gentlemen, what's going on? Both. Yes. <laughs> holidays, we can exist in the same good place. Time. Holidays yeah. is, is a uh, good time. For the rest of us. That's right. Uh, Justin Mason producing. The entire gang is here. And we are ready to talk some baseball. And guys, we got some moves. We got a few moves to talk about. We got some uh, some news around it. It's we were just talking about it right before we went on. The holiday lull is here. You know, thinks that maybe bomb dropped here in the next few days, but uh, generally there's not a, a a bunch right now. It's still been an overall slow market, though. You know, we had reliever week. Uh, we're gonna get into a bunch of first basemen. You know. Where are you at with the market as a whole right now? I guess everyone's just trying to slow walk all the free agents and you know try to wait them out. And the the game is uh, is doesn't seem like it's going in the agents' favor because nobody has jumped out and signed that big. You know, I feel like there's usually at the winter meetings one big free agent signing at least that kind of sets the market, and then people can go from there. And this winter meetings, the big quote-unquote signing was the Stanton trade and yet here we are still waiting for you Darvish to to maybe set the or Jake Arrieta to set the pitching market and we're waiting for JD Martinez to hit the bat to set the bat market or Eric Hosmer and you know and we're all waiting on on finding out where Bobby Wilson is going to play next I I refresh sleeper trade rumors so often looking for Bobby Wilson news <laughs> Like I accidentally followed two wrong Bobby Wilsons. One was just like a random accountant. The other was just some kid. I'm just trying to get Bobby Wilson news, and I can't. If hey, he could just sign, I could enjoy my holiday. I actually have some numbers around the lack of money that has been spent so far this offseason, courtesy of uh, somebody on Twitter named Sean Newkirk, who goes by Sean Core. The the total money spent by Christmas in each of the past five off seasons in 2013 1.2 billion in 2014 1.22 billion 2015 1.47 billion 2016 1.07 billion and thus far in 2017 467 million dollars. Mm. Crazy! It's crazy. You know what I- I, I Everybody was waiting for the new tax cut. Apparently, now yeah. we can all go spend. And, you know, no, I think I think it might have to do with taxes, but the the CBT. I think it might have to do with the luxury tax because the three biggest spenders in our league, the the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Giants, have all, all sort of approached the luxury tax. I think is kind of a hard tax. I mean, they, they're. I think it's because they they're a three or four time um, offenders that that you know they're up to fifty percent tax on every extra dollar spent plus 20 an extra 20 percent on top of that if they go 20 million over so you know they're they're seeing that as kind of prohibitive at this point and you're seeing the giants make a trade where they put zero dollars on their tax number for next year and that was a big part of why they made that trade and you're looking at the uh the yankees and the and the dodgers also kind of you know the dodgers made a big money trade trying to stay under the cap so and I'm going to call it a cap just because it's sort of functioning as such. So I think that's mm-hmm. been maybe more than slow walking the current. Also, the draft class, the, the, the free agent class is maybe not the best it's been in a while. And on top of that, um, you know, maybe some slow walking, too. So kind of maybe a perfect storm of three different things. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I guess I guess we're going to see a lot of action in 
after the new year, probably, you know, maybe a little bit after the, uh, after the holidays, but then I think it would really kick up in January. But I agree with you. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Teams, teams not wanting to pay. They realize free agency is not generally a good bet. Now it's going to be interesting though, because as teams wisen up, wisen up, is that the right word? Wisen, wise up. I don't know. Whatever. We make up words on this show. Don't even worry about it. Um, but as teams get smarter about spending free agent money, I think it's going to be interesting because we're going to see younger free agents. A lot of the issue with, with free agent money that's poorly spent is when you do it uh, for guys that are going into their 30s. But we're going to start to see younger and younger guys, and will that encourage people to spend? But that's that's for down the line. Let's talk about some of the news that we have Right now, we will get to the aforementioned trade uh, that that Eno talked about there. But first, I want to mention Zach Britton ruptured Achilles. Just you know, his 2017 was just a nightmare, top to bottom. Things just did not go well for him. Injuries had him on and off the field, which weren't great. Uh, his performance struggled, and now a ruptured Achilles. Jason, Zach Britton is he's going to be somebody that you're looking at next year on a buyback or someone you're avoiding at this point? I don't even know if he makes the Orioles roster. I mean, he's going into his, this was supposed to be his walk here, and he is now probably not going to be able to pitch uh, until late July. And they're saying six months. So, and let's, you know, let's say the best case scenario is six months. That puts him, you know, that puts him late into the season. So uh, I'm a little concerned about that. So he's on my avoid list, but I think he's also going to be on Baltimore's avoid. Why pay him all that money, even if it's on insurance, to not pitch? That'll be interesting uh, about whether or not they're going they're, they're going to actually pay him. You know, what do you think? Do you think the Orioles could move away from him completely? Like uh, Jason said, six months to recover happened on December 20th. Got to build in some time to ramp up. You're looking at maybe the All Star. You know. They bring him back maybe right before the All-Star break or just let it ride till after the All-Star break. Zach Britton in 2018, is he even somebody you're looking at, you know? I mean, given that this is injury on top of injury, it's pretty hard to 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 get into it. Um, I can't – I'd see maybe as a reserve, uh, maybe a, a final round pick to – slaughtering DL. DL. That might be fun. I like to do that a lot. I like to have guys that I draft at the very end that I put on the DL as soon as the DL opens, and then I can go shopping again on the waiver wire. I do like to do that. And Britain, Especially in shower leagues. I do... I do prefer to do that with a player that whose return date is sooner. You know, I'd rather yeah. do that with a guy who's like, well, he'll be, he'll be back, you know, mid, mid April or, or early May. So... Um, even then there might be another name between now and then that pops up that I'd say, oh, I'd rather, I'd rather stash that guy, but you know, Britain has, is good stuff. And I, I think that they, I think they will nurse him along in order to maybe sell him at the deadline. You know, everyone's calling for the Orioles to sell and they seem and to they be in won't. a position to do that. <laughs> They're not going <laughs> they to, gonna, we'll talk about Machado here in a little bit. Uh, or actually we could just put that in right now. I should have, should have grouped that together better. Um, yeah, they're saying now they no longer expect to trade. Machado, which is interesting because, and this is a great lesson that people have to learn every year about rumors. Uh, but this is a great lesson in in how much BS there is with rumors because I think it was last week he was quote unquote expected to be traded by Friday. So it, it's just so much crap that floats around that is taken as gospel and is taken as set in stone. And now they're talking they're not going to trade him. 
do you think they should be rebuilding? You know, should they tear it down and 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 move Machado? And I don't know if you would move Britain at this point, but maybe move some other pieces. Where where should the Orioles go? You know, I don't I don't see that it's obvious what you would move otherwise. What what has Brock. value? I mean, Trumbo's you know on a decent deal, but he's not. He doesn't provide much on the field value uh, to, to to give you a sort of surplus deal. There's Manny, of course. I don't think that Adam Jones is in much demand i thought that maybe yeah. the giants um would would take him but they i think they'd need the orioles to to swallow some money to give him anything back and even then the giants are kind of running out of prospects to to trade and then if you don't if you're not talking about the giants then who are you talking about that needs an old center fielder for one year so what about um, scope you know, scope is the it, big it, one yeah scope but he's is and, big, and part of their next cheap either i mean he's he's on arb two so he's not a free agent until 2020. That's scope we're talking about. I mean, Jones is a free agent after this year. Um, Davis has got yeah, that I mean, big scope contract. Three and a half mil. Yeah, scope that's just made three and a half mil. I mean, it's going to jump, but it's not going to. He he would still be. Uh, he would fetch a mint for sure. Oh, he absolutely t- would. Uh, but that's. I mean, this is. They should be selling this team off, but they won't. That's dumb, because even scope, who's 25 years old. Is not going to be part of their next great team. And if you sell Machado and Scope, I think you really regenerate that that um, that farm system in, in quickly, right? You, you you put a real big boost into that farm system. You don't completely rebuild it, obviously, but that puts a big boost into it. You you sell Brad Brock right now. His his value is worth a lot more than than Britain's. Um, you, you definitely sell Kevin Gossman. Obviously, it's not at a, at a peak, but I think he would still net something substantial as well. There are pieces to move. Obviously, some of those big ones you can. I don't think Chris Davis, Adam Jones, and Mark Trumbo would get moved. I agree there. Obviously, you, you can't tear it down completely because they just don't have the super desirable pieces to to f- completely rip it apart. But like this is bad. You know, the Yankees on the come up. The uh, the Red Sox building. Uh, the Rays. People still like them to at least be potentially froggy again. I know the Jays are, are are down, but then the Orioles are way down. And I know that they get discounted all the time, but I think that at this point it's really hard to see their path to success with the Orioles. I mean, here's here's a couple things that I factor in. Like you said, after this year. Adam Jones, Zach Britton, Brad Brock, and Manny Machado all walk as free agents. All right, that's like four of their six, seven best players. And then you look at next year, and you know, with the free agent class of Bryce Harper, Machado, Kershaw if he opts out, Donaldson, Blackman, Pomeranz, Andrus if he opts out, Dozier, Price if he opts out. There are so many names in this. Even if you're at, if the Orioles are Adam Jones. Can they afford to even offer him a qualifying offer, given how top-heavy next year's free agent class? You run a serious risk of him saying, you know what, I don't like the three-year offers I'm getting as a 33-year-old outfielder, so I'm going to go ahead and take that $19 million qualifying offer and try again. I mean, I don't—I mean, there's— there's so many names out there on next year's free agent market. I mean, if I were if I were a fan of this club, I would be screaming, sell. I mean, this is why I am not that upset about what Tampa Bay did, because I, when you're on paper and you're looking at just Boston, New York, Cleveland, Minnesota, Houston, Texas, and Angels, that's seven teams on paper are better than Baltimore. Easily, without even thinking about it, seven teams. Only five of them make the playoffs. So you've got to count for – you have to hope for 
three of those seven to not do as well as they look on paper in order to have a shot at one game. Yeah, it's this is why there's a race to the bottom. This is why 18 teams finished below 500 last year. You know, Ricky Bobby said it best. You're the first year last. Mm-hmm. And to me, when I'm looking at this team, I see no reason why they're not selling Machado. Sure, I mean, they're going to get a pick or whatever they're going to get out of them uh, when they let him go. But but maybe that's the only guy because I'm not giving a qualifying offer to either one of those relievers. And I, no. I've already made my case for not doing it for Jones either. And okay. so I, I know. all of these guys, you're going to have one pick out of this next year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I I think what you do is you put on them repeatedly, you, but yeah. they're, they're bad. Because they're reliever, the levers are good. They have a good. They, yeah, but they, they're bad now. So I'm saying like they can't use that as like fuel. Like, oh, these projections are down on us again, and they're going to be wrong again this year. I, I don't see it. it. It's not there. I would. I would. And to, to for fantasy purposes, I think they're going to put Brock in there right away. It's his last year with the team, and I think he gets he pumps up his value better if he closes for them, and then maybe they can oh. sell Brock. He and, didn't look that good. I mean, he was bad in the second half. Uh, and this is a guy who owned him in Tout Wars last year. He was awesome in the first half, and it was great to own him. But he he faded badly in the second half. I do I do agree with that though. That that putting him in the role, seeing if he can boost the value there. Trading a reliever in the off season is is never as fruitful. Right. Uh, so it's probably worth hanging on to him. Mention him as a uh, Brock as a trade piece. Let him have the uh, the the three months as closer and. Obviously, it would be ideal if he got back to Brockian levels that we've been seeing the past. He lost some velo, and then deal him there. Um, yeah, what's that? He lost some velo in the second half last year. I mean, he's thirty-one. He's going to his age thirty-two season. He's not a young buck just because he's he's kind of new on the scene. He spent a few years in anonymity with the with the Padres, and then late twenties breakout with with Baltimore. But uh, anyway, that's enough Baltimore. Hey, can I do talk. a DDT getting back to the U Darter stuff we were talking about earlier? U Darvish even tweeted out that that was fake news. Yeah, U Darvish's own account said it was fake news. He slam dunked on the barstool guy that that tried to report it. That's amazing. <laughs> Fake that. news hashtag. Funny. He's so good. Um, well, I, I think it's interesting to, to to just jump off of what Jason was just saying. I think that that's a, a really good segue because we're, we're looking at two teams that are possibly doing very different things on the next trade. Um, the Rays and the Giants. And you know, Jason mentioned, you know, the race to the bottom. I, I wonder, we, we spent a, some time at the winter meetings talking about how, well, we, we first of all, talked about what a superstar traveler Jason is and, and what an amazing experience he had the other day. But then also That's about right. the, whether or not the Rays would uh, would be, would be would finish the deal, would they would sell everybody or, if it, you know, what it, what kind of a selling it would be. And, and just to defend the Giants real quick, I think a lot of people are burying them for trying to improve when, uh, when there's so many teams uh, choosing to either, you know, go build around a young core or, or tank. I, I, the Giants are projected into 81 wins. They, they have don't have Bum- a team to tank. They have yeah. They have Bumgarner and Posey. They're not going to trade Bumgarner and Posey. If they don't trade Bumgarner and Posey, they're not going to get a lot back for Crawford or you know maybe a little Panic. bit for Panic. Uh, no. You know, Belt. People can't agree across the game. A lot of people think he's great. A lot of people don't. So you know, I don't think that necessarily trading Panic, Crawford and Belt, you know, makes them reboot fast enough to do anything with Bum and Posey. So I think that they 
have seen that, you know, 2019 Bumgarner's deal is up and they're going to build for 2018 and 2019. And maybe it's going to be really painful from, you know, 2020 to 22 when they're, they're, you know, playing out the string with those end of those contracts with those other guys. And, you know, I think that this was the kind of perfect deal from the Giants standpoint. They put zero dollars on the camp. They took the second worst third base situation and made it at least league average, even if long goes, you know, fallen off. I mean, his, his exit velocities and launch angle suggest that he deserved every bit of his, his down year last year. Yep. Even if he's only league average, he's a lot better than Pablo Sandoval right now. So they ran over us with the segue. What's that? We got to, we got to outline what, what what we're even talking about here. Evan Longoria, (laughs) <laughs> to the Giants for Christian Arroyo, Denard Spawn. Everyone knows uh, it's the biggest Stephen thing. Woods, Matt Crook. Excuse you. We need to inform our fans what the heck we're talking about. All right, all right, all right. So Longoria for Arroyo, Spawn, Woods, and Crook. Those are two, the last two are a couple of prospects. Not really sure anything about them. Arroyo is is the main piece for Tampa Bay. Obviously Longoria, the big superstar, being traded from the Rays to the Giants. Continue, you know, and then I'll get Jason's thoughts. Well, I, I don't. I think the Christian Arroyo will either uh, will either hit for average or power. I, I doubt it's going to be the power angle. I think he's going to look a lot like Matt Duffy. I think they're going to they, they're excellent at turning out Matt Duffy, Joe Panic, uh, Christian Arroyo types. And I just don't think that that was enough to to stop this train from going. So I think they needed to improve for this year, and uh, and they did it without spending a single dollar because the the Rays put in fifteen million and took Spawn back. So. You know, I don't think that they. Uh, I think that there wasn't probably another deal out there like that. You know, the the the, the big piece of this trade was covered by Justin Mason on Twitter. Underrated part of the long go trade is the Giants can try Sandoval out in center. Not as big of a defensive downgrade from Span as you might think. <laughs> so we know who's. Gonna, hey, on know, a serious with, note, though, on a serious note, was was Span in center field. I, I know he's terrible. But how much of that comes in the play of, of the dimensions of AT&T Park? Does that hell is that held against him in any way, given how big right well, center is and how you have to position yourself? Because Tropicana no is, is rather tougher. neutral in that regard. And plus, he's got to go to left field anyhow. Yeah, it no right. doubt makes things tougher. But I mean, th- there's no denying that that he lost a step and in, in, in was terrible defensively. And he's never had a great arm to begin with. And the arm has degraded. As you mentioned, though, he's going to be moved to left, so that's not going to be um, that's not going to be as big of a deal. Jason, right, I mean, this is this is. I mean, Dickerson was out there, and Malik Smith, and Malik Smith has the same flaws. Uh, you know, at least at least Spawn can run a route, or at least he's demonstrated the ability to. Smith can't do that, and he's got the same throwing arm. And Dickerson looked better last year, but he was still terrible in that regard. I think he's he's probably going to be the first leadoff DH, full-time leadoff DH that you're going to see in 2018 um, with that. But go ahead with your question, Paul. Is this, a, is this an opportunity for Malik Smith to take the job? I mean, you know, Span's more of like a platoon backup. He's close. I mean, he's like a one-win guy last year. Do you think Malik could take it and run with it? Because then he's a, then he's a really interesting pickup for AL only. Yeah, Such I think given though. yeah, given the fact that Span is the uh the most expensive guy on the payroll uh now, I don't see how he doesn't have this job coming out of camp. Uh now Smith will get his opportunities, uh, but I can see Span hitting on the bottom part of the order and and uh doing that until they if unless they decide to flip him there, if there's some way to 
move him out? I mean, because it's an attractive contract in that it's only a one-year commitment, which is why the Rays took it back. It wasn't something that they're tied in, they're tied into for multiple years. He's got mm-hmm. there's like a two million dollar signing bonuses due to him in January. I think it's a four million dollar buyout, and his salary this year is seven or eight. So it's still a one-year deal. So if a team were looking to get out of something, uh, you know, they need an outfielder. They don't want to have money tied up for next year's free agent class. He he serves that. He serves that purpose. But uh, if he stays on the club, if he's there on day one, he's going to be the opening day left fielder. Well, here's the thing, too, about Span. Uh, health, right? I mean, that's how Malik Smith could take the job is that uh, Span gets hurt. I mean, he has played 143 and 129 games the last couple of years, uh, over 500 plate appearances in both seasons, over 600 in 2016 for Span. I, I said Span earlier. It's Span. I, I I go between the two. Sabathia, Sabathia. Eno has infected me with can't pronounce this uh, on some names. I'm I noticed you guys uh, all saying Denard's name wrong because of me. I think it's yeah. Span. 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 I think you got me saying spawn. I'm never yeah. saying Yalik though. That's for <laughs> damn sure. Anyway, okay. Um, no, Jason, take the analyst hat off as a fan. How was it when you saw Evan Longoria traded? Um, it sucked. I mean, if if I'll I'll relay a story that I shared on Twitter when I came when I picked up my daughter from she was at a a, a day camp since kids are out on winter break so she could see her friends um, from summer. And I said, hey, honey, I got some bad news. Uh, the Rays traded Longoria today. And she was just sat there with her eyes wide open and her mouth agape. Why? Where? And I said, well, to the Giants. And she goes, well, the Giants are my favorite team now. I mean, it's the only player. She's 10. I mean, she was she was born uh, five, six months before Longoria made his major league debut. Uh, and so it's, it's the one player she's been able to associate with um, since she's been able to watch through the baseball. So yeah, that part... That's the sucky part. I mean, if you look at if you take away everything else, it's it, we're a third baseman on the wrong side of 30. Yeah, Chipper Jones was able to do it. But I you know, I wrote about this yesterday. Matt Williams, Scott Rowland. I mean, those are kind of guys that come to mind that were serviceable into that age, but certainly weren't weren't performing to where they were paid. And that's always uh, if you're looking for somebody the Rays are going to trade, that's always it. And they don't they don't like to wait too long to do that. I mean, if they Ideally, they would have done this trade last winter. The problem was, yep. on, on paper, that team was was a competitive team, and they underperformed last year. I mean, that team, I, I think our projections had them at 85, 86 wins. You, oh, can't sell sure. piece, you can't sell pieces off on a team that you're projecting for 85-plus win season. You just can't do it. Um, so they had to – now you look at this year's team who lost Cobb, who lost Morrison – who you, know, you look at the other pieces that are uh, that are going away? You're uh, you know you're probably going to trade to Rizzi. You're probably going to trade Colome. Uh, there's a lot of what. There's too many what ifs to look at this team and say, yep, that's another 85 win team. Right now, in my head, uh, before the trade, I was thinking 75 to 77 wins. Well, if you're projecting your team to be sub 500, how can you improve it? They're not going to spend money to get quality free agents. They lucked out to get uh, to get Morrison a couple of years ago. Yeah, they've got a, a nice wave of kids coming, but we know those kids, they're going to try to control the contracts as they've always done. So we may not even see Adamas or Honeywell until June. I hope not. If, if you're going to go ahead and trade uh, the quarter Keep Honeywell down franchise, like that again. I, no, I hope they don't. They need to have these guys up and going. I mean, you've got to buy – you've got to earn – 
there may not be a sellout in opening day. I mean, there is a lot of upset people. And that the, say what you want about the franchise and their attendance, they have always sold out opening day. This year, that may be in danger. Uh, and so you, you, the, these kids, they were in AAA all last year. So you got a lot of pieces. But if you could do something, and they've talked about at the winter meetings, they want to get back to the days of pitching and defense because, you know, power is expensive. They've got mm-hmm. pitching coming up. Uh, you know, people want to try to trade Chris Archer, but you look at that contract, as Joe Sheehan said today in his newsletter, Chris Archer is paid like a middle reliever. You know, you, you're not, you don't have to deal that. You can still try to put this team together and they could be a nuisance in 2018 with what they have. You could let Odorizzi and Colome go. Maybe Jose De Leon steps up in, into a reliever role and, and matches where people have projected him to be. Maybe it's just health always in his way, so let's let him be a, become a reliever. You've got Honeywell coming up. Blake Snell looked really good towards the end of last year. Um, and with the pitching and defense, you put Matt Duffy back at third base where he's a much better defender than Longoria is. Um, you have Echeverria for now, unless they move him and move Adamas there. They've got to try to figure all that out. But all of a sudden, with an, out, uh, an outfield of Span and left field, Kiermaier and Sousa, that's a really good defensive outfield. And then with with Duffy and Echeverria or Adamas at, at second base and, and taking Brad Miller off the middle infield, and maybe he's the opening day first baseman, uh, take him out of this sentence. And all of a sudden, the infield defense is good, too. And you've got Ramos behind the plate. So they're getting back to their old days of the pitching and defense along those lines. But this is a trade they had to make. And uh, as Eno said, with the with the Giants right now, it's going to be fun uh, for them to try to make their push on the back end. It's it's not going to be so fun uh, to have somebody in their mid to late 30s making 19 million a year. Yeah, it, it definitely remind me a bit of of the Verlander trade where, you know, it sucked to watch a Tigers legend go, but uh, it was something that needed to be done. Now, it was obviously a little bit of a different situation where the Tigers are tearing it down and keeping keeping a, a mid-30s pitcher makes zero sense. Um, so it's not quite the same from that perspective, but it, it did make some sense once you step away from the fandom aspect of it, but it's got to be hard. It that is. Guy, I mean, you want to trade... The raise. Right. I mean, you always want to trade a guy... Um, too early rather than too late. Of course, uh, you know that's that's one of the things that that comes into play uh, with this. But yeah, even if you look at last year, there was a little. He had an offensive bump uh, in 2016. Rather, you look over his last four seasons. 14 wasn't that good. 15 wasn't that good. 16 was good for him. And then 17 was back down the other direction. So there's been like these two levels of Longoria. You look back from 2008 to 2013. One of the league's best. You look over the last four years, and that wasn't the case. And we're to a point where his popularity outweighs his productivity. Uh, and I think that's when some people are still stunned that this kind of deal happened. Uh, if you look at it from that lens, I, I'm, I'm not stunned. I didn't think he would. I didn't think he would be here. Uh, and again, I thought he'd be gone after last year uh, because that's when it would have been more attractive. So we will. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how Justin, we can pull Justin in here. I think it's one of these rare trades where both fan bases really don't like this deal. I've read more <laughs> negative reactions from the Giants fans than I have Tampa Bay fans. I think the Giants fans, we'll get Justin here in a second. I think the Giants fans are just pissed at Eno for uh, C-teasing them about, oh, maybe you'll get Otani and Stanton. Mm-hmm. I told you that was going to backfire on you, Eno. Way to go. Justin, <laughs> as a fan of the Giants, what would you think of the Longoria deal? Um, well, as a fan, as an analyst, I, I hate it. 
I mean, you're getting a guy who's, what, 32 in, in his decline. It really fits in with the Giants' mold of what they like to go for, an, an aging player in their decline. But uh, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because now you know they're just eyeing Lorenzo Cain, you know, uh, to add another 30-year-old player uh, onto this already probably oldest roster in baseball. So uh, I, I, you know, he's, he's Longoria saying all the right things. My wife is like, okay, this is kind of exciting. And, but uh, it's just, it, it, it just means they're out on Moustakis, which would be a nice yeah. young power hitter. Uh, they're probably going to just supplement with some old guy out in center. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not really that thrilling. Understandable. Uh, all right, let's move on. Eno, Jason, Martin Perez got his ass whooped by a bull and uh, broke his, his elbow on his non-throwing uh, arm. He's going to miss four months. I know that's not super fantasy relevant, but and I'm not trying to laugh at the misfortune, but when you see like Martin Perez got messed up by a bull, uh, a little funny, right? I mean, it's like a little funny. Am I, am I, am I, am even I better that? when he faces Terrence Gore when he comes back. That's what <laughs> we all need. That's what we all need. Well the matchup we need. Uh, whoever has them around the four-month time of on Texas's schedule needs to get Terrence Gore. I don't know if he's still with KC, but trade for him, whatever you got to do. I know that guy's not very good, but you got to get him in there. And uh, and and let let someone let Terrence Gore face Martin Perez. Uh, yeah, Dude. obviously not a huge fantasy aspect here, but uh, you know what do you think? What, what do you think about Martin Perez? You like him at all? I've always I've always liked him a little bit, understanding his limitations. But what do you think of uh, Martin Perez at age twenty six? He just never found a good breaking ball. I feel like, and uh, he just he's kind of predictable where he's just always coming with that change up. And so people, I think people. Uh, have sort of figured him out. I mean, he's just never been able to uh, strike people out. And not enough just, swing and miss at all. And never. the ground ball rate just gotten worse. I think that's people like basically swinging at that changeup, you know, like knowing it's coming or, or being able to spot it somehow. Uh, as Justin mentions, they did trade for Matt Moore. That, that's a move. He is that now their number two. <laughs> is their number oh. two behind Cole Hamels? Um, you no, know, they had like they had like thirty pitchers last year that they used, and they they at the end of the year they cut like twenty of them. I mean, I don't well, know. They were, a lot of them were fake names pitchers, though. I mean, Austin. Yeah. Bebix Dirks or whatever the hell his that's name not, was. That's, that's Tuffy Ghostwish's uh, yes. stepbrother. I mean, that's the, not real. The, what they got out of Andrew Cashner last year was amazing. Um, and <laughs> but like, I, I haven't heard, is, was... is there even an Andrew Cashner market right now? Or is everybody looking at that going, yeah, that's not sustainable? No, he's going to get $11. <sighs> he's, I think somebody might try and sign him to be like a swing man, you know, kind of like think 100 inning, you know, six, seven starter type. Please do. Please I do. mean, I Giovanni can... Gallardo got a contract, a guaranteed right. major league contract on this. Uh, yeah, Cashner has to get. Who Chassin got sixteen million? So hey, I mean, yeah. I, I think Chassin's all right, but but uh, I think Cashner will get you know eight eight million for two years or maybe a year in, a, in an option. Jerry Depoto, it's coming. But look at that! Look at that rotation: Hamels, Moore, Fister, Minor. Minor was a reliever last year and had a hundred innings in the last three years God. combined. I Let's loved get... Minor as a reliever. Bad putting push him back down there. Yeah. I don't like it. 
I don't like it. I, I don't think that's a great idea. At the same time, though, it's so weird because they've got Gallo, Odor, and Calhoun, and Mazara, and DeShield. So, like, in some ways, there's, like, a core. Like, you can see, like, a core coming out of there, right? Like, okay, Calhoun check is this projected now. to hit, like, 290 with 30 homers next year. I think Mazara can hit 30 homers and hit 290. You've got two guys in the middle of your order that can hit 290 with 30 homers, and then you got Odor and... And Wait, Gallo. who was the first one that was projected to hit 290? Calhoun. Oh, that's that's awesome. I mean, that, that guy can rake, but I don't know if he's going to be hitting 290. Put Try this one on for size. What if they bring back Darvish? Then how do you feel? He's going to the Cubs, right? Isn't that what Barstool Oh, yeah, it's locked, locked and loaded. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, locked and loaded by that. Well, then they've got two de- decent pitchers. Well, and then they're going to win the World Series, right? Uh, I mean. Oh, it, you didn't even include Matt Moore going into the rotation. Two and a half. Matt Moore and Mike Miner. Or excuse me, Matt Bush, Matt Bush, and Mike Miner. You didn't even include Matt Bush going into the rotation. Apparently, Here, I say Bush. Oh, yeah, you did. I, I will never forget Bush. Um, okay. <laughs> you should forget Miner Bush, okay? Because you're not Roy Moore. Anyway, uh, Miner Bush Fister. That is their yes. rotation. This wow. is terrible. And, and more. That's and they illegal. have more. okay. That should okay. be legal. It is I illegal. To, I have to stop. Yes. Um, it's a bad rotation. They do have some good bullpen pieces. Diekman's going to be there for a full year. Claudio did some things. Keone Kale, although it's, it, those are all guys you want behind an ace reliever. You know, if Claudio Diekman and Kayla are behind, you know, not, not, it's not Kimbrell. Obviously, he's not going anywhere in Boston. But like a Kimbrell type, like a frontline ace reliever, then you feel good. But those are the top three guys. I just don't know about this Texas team. But like you like you said, that offense is this young burgeoning offense, so they can't really go anywhere. Jason, what, what do you have this Texas team in the West right now? Uh, third place, maybe fourth. Maybe I mean they, I don't think they're done uh, in this offseason. I mean they've got enough parts where if they want to try to move something around and try to go get another pitcher, they can. I mean they, they've they've compiled some quantity, and if they're gonna. Maybe they're going to go that route where they're the this two times through the order and hand it off, uh, but they need more. They need more bullpen, ben, uh, more bullpen depth than what they have right now. This is a uh, an odd roster to try to get excited about on the pitching side. Offensively, I think they've got enough pieces, but uh, pitching wise, they're short. Yeah, they absolutely are. Uh, the Rangers definitely need to make a move. Uh, maybe a couple. Maybe maybe Darvish isn't even the only answer. To get Darvish and then go get Addison Reed or something. I don't know. They got to make some other moves there for sure. Uh, let's get into this first base. It was first base week, as I mentioned. Uh, you guys are just going to get get signed positionally, and we're going to work our way around the diamond. <laughs> it was relievers. Now it's first baseman. Mitch Moreland back to Boston. Uh, pretty much quells all the uh, the the Hosmer talk. And I'm not even sure that there was a lot of Hosmer talk from anybody that mattered in terms of like. Uh, Boris or Hosmer or or even Boston themselves, it seemed to be a lot of analysts slash fans thinking that he was the the perfect for them because they didn't have a first baseman and they can spend money. But I like this move way better. First off, I've never been a huge Hosmer guy in terms of uh, his offensive production. I know he had a good offensive year this year, but for the money, you know, per, per war. There's no way you can convince me that Hosmer is, is a better bet than just resigning Moreland. Uh, you know, what do you think about Moreland getting resigned to Boston? I mean, there's a big age difference. He's 32. Hosmer's 
20, uh, 28, one of the youngest guys out there. Um, and Moreland is a, a guy you protect in platoons, uh, whereas Hosmer, you, you can kind of go out there and do it. But, um, you know, Moreland suffered a little last year. He's a little bit unlucky. And I don't know if it's because of the confines, the Fenway confines, because they, they're a little weird. And so it can play big in some weird spots. If you think about it in your head, you can think of that weird sort of center field situation where you kind of run by the bullpen there and it kind of gets real deep there for, you know, there's like weird, weird little areas. So you could, if you were hitting it to those areas, I could see how it might play more as a pitcher's park than you think. And plus the green monster can take away, uh, can take away homers, but it usually gives you a double at least in return. In any case, his launch angles, Mitch Moreland's launch angles and exit velocity should have produced a 533 slugging percentage last year. And instead, they produced a 4.43 slugging percentage. So, I mean, you know, the the X stats projection for him ni- next year is a 4.90 slugging percentage. And you know, if he plays to that, he's a he's a bargain. He's a guy you should maybe look at in AL only leagues in particular. And for for Boston, it seems like a good deal. Jason, and I'll say I'll say I had him. I had him penciled in as somebody coming to Tampa Bay when they always looking for somebody cheap to replace the last guy um, that left one of the, and I don't know who's who mentioned this stat line on, on Twitter. So apologies, but uh, there was a particular cherry pick thing that caught my attention from April 21st on. He had a 91 WRC plus a three fourteen weighted on base average. And that he had that amazing hot start, you know, Mitchie two bags was hitting two or three doubles a game. And then after three weeks, he cooled off. Now he was playing injured for a lot of the second half. And I haven't dug in to see how much further that, but he was playing injured quite a Miss bit. Miss Moreland and, was? Yeah, he was. Oh. Uh, he wrist, uh, I forgot exactly what, because I this was something I wrote up for the Rotowire uh, magazine. Oh, you can but see he, in his exit velocities. He, he lost was, some. He was, in, he was playing injured. It was something in... Wrist, shoulder. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what it was. Hang on, uh, hang on. But there was a particular injury. Info. I'll get this injury info on Mitch. Uh, and Moreland. so that's why I was like, you know what? Hey, that's uh, he intrigues me because he was trying to play through injury, and then it uh, and then it happened. But I can't remember exactly. But it was something on his upper. Uh, yeah, the neck, and I got. I he got was hit by a pitch, and, and then it kind of lingered. There was a knee injury. He was playing with a knee injury. Um, and that's when he, the, in September, he was playing through a knee injury, uh, but he's, he had a couple of injuries. Um, Guaranteed that there's a Boston a, fan listening who will put something in the comments kind of detailing exactly what was up with Zimmerman Moreland. Zimmerman had it on his, there's an article that he does every year uh, that he's looking for injury guys, and he had a, uh, more than listed on there. And, and that's and how I, think- I picked up on the, the nice thing about him is he's such a high floor guy. Look at what he's done. You know, in his healthy years for the last five seasons, he's hit oh, 23 homers and, you know, hit 250. Basically, if you if you pay for 250 and 23 homers, which in AL only leagues is valuable and you buy him for the three, four five dollars or whatever for your, your corner infield slot or your utility slot. And then then he is healthy and he gives you 30 homers. Uh, then then you uh, oh look at that. Justin Mason reports he just had meniscus surgery. So oh, he was playing through a toe fracture. Uh, yeah. In the middle part of the summer too, and then he had a knee, the knee issue, which There's now was a meniscus yep. surgery. So meniscus. yeah, lower half, which doesn't surprise me that the power was suffering. No, yeah, so I, I, you know, pay for twenty homers, hope for thirty, and and you may get it. 
That that sounds fair. Let's move on to the next first baseman. It was uh, Matt Adams to Washington, taking basically the Adam Lind spot. A little bit interesting that uh, that he went out there for me for Matt Adams because I think his playing time is going to be stifled a little bit. I don't know that there's going to be. I mean, you know, I I would have thought that he tried more where he can maybe get. 450 plus plate appearances now he's only done that once in his career that was back in 2014 and maybe he's just more of the the guy like lind where uh it, it is more of a platoon and you kind of kind of work him in but uh you know he, he can't hit lefties anymore so it is a straight platoon but i don't know that he's going to get all the righty at bats and then zimmerman's going to sit so he's going to be worked in adams is you know how do you like adams in uh in washington i doubt well, I, you know, Lynn got 300 plate appearances last year, and I would say I doubt that Matt Adams gets that, except that Ryan Zimmerman was largely healthy last year. Yeah, no, I, th- I think he could yeah, get Lind that. Lynn also got outfield time last year. Uh, yeah, and he Adams had, will, too. He and got Adams did. I mean, Lynn had almost 200 innings in the outfield, and Adams had 129. There you go. That's amazing to me, considering what they look like. I mean— <laughs> Especially Lind, I, 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 Adam slimmed down, and it made a little bit more sense. You play with stupid. Like, you play with stupid National League rules. This is what you're forced to do. Right. <laughs> yes, DH, DH, DH play some outfield. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this, this is basically their Lind clone, uh, five years younger. I think we could see something similar. Twenty something homers. I know Lind only had 14 this past year, but Adams himself had had 20 on the dot. So probably somewhere in the 15 to 20 homer range. Is he basically an NL only version of Moreland? In terms probably of a little bit, a little bit on? worse because Moreland's playing time, you know, is the big part of a platoon. And I don't know. No, I mean, I'd, made... I'd much rather have Moreland myself. Yeah. Here. So and I like Adams. Playing time. I mean, Adams production is okay, but, and he's younger, but you know, playing time. Right. Playing time is, is, is key. Although, you know, like you said, Ryan Zimmerman stayed healthy last year. Lynn still got 300. We'll see. We'll see what, in terms of the outfield, <laughs> what's that? We'll see if Zimmerman can pull that trick again. Exactly. But in terms of the outfield point appearances, uh, Adam Eaton's going to be back too. So there, there will be a little bit crowded there. And if Rick, Victor Robles comes up, so maybe Adams doesn't get those and ends up being more of a, 280 to 300 as opposed to a 300 to 330 plate appearance sort of guy. So we'll, we'll, we'll see on it's an NL only play for Adams. And yeah, I guess if you're scaling it and, and you are an AL and NL only guy, you have leagues in both, whatever you would pay for Moreland, back it off a couple bucks for Adams and, and try to get him for two, three bucks max where you're going four five, maybe six bucks for Moreland. All right. Then I, we kind of went um, out of order here in terms of impact. Cause I think that, Yonder Alonso to Cleveland could be the biggest impact of this bunch. Another guy who's kind of filling in for somebody who's departed. Yonder Alonso going to take Carlos Santana's spot. Jason, Yonder Alonso to Cleveland. What do you think? I, I like it. Uh, it's a really nice fit for them. Uh, it's a better ballpark for him. And uh, as bad as the Matt Adams landing spot was for him and his playing time, I think this is uh, conversely as good perfect an opportunity for Alonzo as he could have asked for. And progressive field uh, is a plus for lefty home runs. Uh, for lefty everything, really. But Correct. Particularly for home runs. And you mentioned getting out of Oakland, and he went from Oakland to Seattle. Neither of those are are really working all that much for, for lefties. I know Seattle's been better for 
Fields in the past since their fence move in. But uh, Progressive Field is definitely going to be better from that aspect. Eno, are you giving him any tips when you guys doing your your workout session? Yeah, <laughs> I think he, or he does want to talk to him. in Cleveland. You know, no, want to talk to him, find somebody in the Midwest. He might have already got the deal. We'll see. We'll see if he calls. But uh, uh, I think it's what's really interesting is I always was under the impression that he'd gone too far with his launch angle thing, but he really did the best when he was at 20 degrees in the first two or three months of the season. His launch angle fell off in the second half, and a lot of people are pointing to that as being a return to where he was before. And that he's, you know, not going to that it was just a hot streak and that he's not going to be who he was, you know, in the first half of last year. But I would point out that in the second half of last year, when he was supposedly bad, he was better than he was before. Exactly. He was still better than the previous guy who could not hit more than eight homers or nine, I think, was as high to that point. For the second half of the season, he he was 13 percent better than league average. I think if he's 13 percent better than league average from the dish and that's bad yonder and he's a scratch defender and they get a win and a half to two wins out of him in, you know, 500 plate appearances a year, then the contract's a win for them. And Yonder replaces a lot of Santana's production for a lot less money, allows Mm -hmm. them some flexibility to add something in season. They don't have a lot of revenue there in Cleveland for some reason. And, uh, and, you know, they need to have some money in the pocket for an in-season acquisition, you know, to, to make that stretch run. So I think that Yonder is a perfect fit for them. And I would say that the truth is somewhere in between the two halves that he had. Um, I'd give him, Especially with the the, the change in, in home parks, uh, I would take, uh, I think, the over on his projections just because they're going to project him. They're going to regress him really hard. Yes. they got to build in some of the previous seasons when he sucked. The, yeah. the systems might not have – I mean, some might manually put in the changes that he made, but most are just going to kind of be – waiting some of those previously bad seasons for Alonzo. And so I see right now Steamer has him 18 homers. I would take the over on that as well. I think we're looking at at least 25 homers and a 260 average um, and potentially even better with the, with the new point. All right, let's move on to well, uh, I think, something. I think that, it will oh. be an interesting – I mean, the would you rather here. Would you rather? 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 Is uh, sounds like um, – <laughs> It sounds like we all take yonder. Over these, oh yeah. If we're doing these three, I think it's Yonder, Moreland, Adams. I think I speak for the group. Yeah. What about you, Jason? Yo, yeah. For I was just what I was trying to come up with is what does the first base market look for? Uh, you know, other types. We know the smoke staying with because I I have a tough time separating Alonzo, Smoke, and Morrison after the, all Certainly. three of what they did last year. So what does that first base market look like? I'm trying to find a home for Logan Morrison so we can then say. Would you rather with with Alonzo or with Morrison, like Kansas City? If he ends up in Kansas City, that I'm that I'm currently looking at Brandon Moss being the person. They're ranked 29th on it, or Mets, who were dead last with Dominic Smith, but that's who they should play there. Um, I don't think the Mariners take Logan Morrison back. It would be 28th. So I'm trying to find him a home. You know, uh, Ian Desmond's with the Rockies. Aren't going to move him. He's not coming yeah. back to Tampa Bay. Although they yeah, could move, I don't know, could they move man. Desmond to the outfield, or is, is when Dahl comes back, do they have a, a full outfield again? What's the because uh, the Rockies the Rockies have a little bit of flexibility there. They could what move Desmond to left, and then they'd have Desmond, um, Blackman, Dahl, and Dahl. And yeah, Parra, I feel like I'm and getting Parra, somebody on Colorado. Oh, Parra, yeah. 
And Reynolds is still out there, or Reynolds got signed? Reynolds is still out there. Free agent still, yes. In fact, roster resource has Desmond in left right now. They've got Desmond, Blackman, Para, with, uh, and then Dahl and Tapia would be the guys that are that are kind of fighting for that playing time with Ryan McMahon in at first right now. I mean, uh, I, a, a prospect I think out the there. Rockies is the situation, and the Mets have have some money to spend. So if if but you know people in my chat today were asking if Morrison's going to get more, and I don't think so. I think Morrison nope. is going to get a no. contract. It looks a lot like Yonder and Mitch Moreland's. It's going to be two years and 15. It's going to be right in the middle. Seriously, yeah, I agree because there's there's just no market. The Mets, the Royals, the Mariners, if they were to take them back, and I don't think that's going to happen. They they took Uh, Ryan Healy for a reason. Right. We just said the Rockies. I don't see how he comes back to Tampa Bay only because, I mean, nobody ever comes back. Once they go, they're gone. Uh, You know, Milwaukee, they've got Eric Thames there at first base. The Pirates, it doesn't make much. You're not going to get rid of Josh Josh Bell. You're not moving Josh Bell off that. The Angels. Would Miami bring it back? Oh, wait, they got Bohr still. Never mind. I was going to say, if if they're trying to fill in, sign him on a two-year. Well, the Padres apparently are willing to move Will Myers. That'd be funny if they were like, hey, Will, so you said you were going to move to the left. Can we do it for Logan? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I but wonder. Yeah, there's not just that, there's not that much of a market, and I mean, I I'm not excited about Logan Morrison with the Mets. Oh. I like him better with the Royals. Um, Is Duda screwed then too? Well, let's yeah. let's move up to the top then. Where the hell's Hosmer going? Yeah. Because He's... again, that's why people kept fitting him into Boston, even though the team. Uh, you know, we weren't hearing like legitimate talks on it. It was all speculation, but it fit the best because it's like, well, he's got to go somewhere. Hosmer goes back. You think he's the one that goes back? He goes back. The Royals find a way. They do like five and a hundred or something. I don't know. It's God, so it's so tough to find a good home. Dude is screwed. Yeah. Did it, he it, sign it, as a DH with somebody? Yeah, he's going to end up being signed. Like a Mark Reynolds was this past year. Oh, and so maybe sad. He do the Mark Reynolds thing where he explodes after getting some extra playing time somewhere. Did the Twins make it work? I mean, Vargas is not is, is just a DH. That's all he is. Yeah, and they got rid of Bianco Park. Maybe, maybe they're maybe they're a team. Are you talking them for Duda? No, they got Mauer. Yeah. That's where Mauer's going to play. Yeah, I would yeah. make the push if I'm. Uh, yuck. Or DH Mauer. I guess he can. Maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe everyone goes back. Maybe Duda goes back to the Mets. And uh, if I'm uh-huh. the Angels, I add another piece here. Take advantage of a depressed market on the price and do something with CJ Cron. Like try to trade him, maybe? I'd, I'd rather take my chances with somebody else. I, I could see it. I mean, they're, they're being very active. It's, it's a weird market. I think part of that is holding up the market, too, is like, where do these big pieces fit? That that's another aspect of like, well, they just don't have a lot of obvious fits, so the markets are quiet. It's it's really kind of crazy. Um, we more talk about you mentioned Gallardo and Ulysses Chassin out to Milwaukee. Uh, they're kind of reinforcing their rotation. I don't know that this prevents them from a big move though, because you know they they've been rumored in all the uh, bigger name pitchers, Arietta, Lynn, the guys that are getting talked in trade, Archer. Darvish. What's that? Archer, you keep hearing, you Archer, keep seeing yeah, I mean, his name pop up there. Every every big pitcher that is up for trade or free agency, they get rumored in mainly because Jimmy Nelson's out too, and they want to back somebody with Chase Anderson. Also, because they seem close from like an offensive standpoint, right? And it's like, they yeah, yeah, they just need to to add some pitching. It's almost like Rangers with uh, slightly 
better situation because they've got Slightly Josh Hader and and they have yeah. Corey Kniebel to they have that bullpen ace and they have some nice guys now Shasin you mentioned you kind of like him I agree you know he was a good home only guy this year he right. really worked well at San Diego obviously he's going to a tougher home now do you still see him with spot start capability in NL only leagues well I mean I think the difficult thing for Shasin is that he's got a good fastball and a good slider the problem is that his slider is so slow that he kind of he has two breaking balls, but the, they they aren't very different. And maybe that's why the Brewers were actually interested in him because they took Jimmy Nelson, who had the sort of Robbie Ray problem we've talked yes. about, where you know he's got two breaking balls, but they're the same. And they took Jimmy Nelson. They made his breaking balls different. Good point. And it turned one into a spike, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they changed the grip. And I think they can maybe say to Chassin, let's let's fiddle with that curveball. You know, it's 77 miles an hour. It's not great. But if it suddenly had three more inches of drop, then you'd have a you'd have like six, seven inches of drop difference between the two. And then you could kind of it's not Jamie Moyer, Jamie Moyer, slow, slower, slowest, but it's, you know, kind of slow, slower, slowest. And you kind of you if you have enough command, you kind of do 90 with a good sinker with good movement. And then you've got the slider and the curve. So, you know, Peacock did something similar where he he found the slider and, and kept his his old curveball. If they if they tweak Chassin, then there is some uh, there's still at his age still some breakout potential. If not, he's just uh, Willie Peralta, you know, with less yeah. velocity, better command, just kind of a back end uh, number five who will have like a four four ERA and uh, win eight, you know eight games for them. Eat up some innings for them. Yeah, and like I said, this these two moves do not keep them out of the markets of all those guys that we're talking about because you're looking at Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, Chassin, Gallardo, Guerra. They bring in a big guy, then Gallardo or Guerra gets pushed, and that's easy to do. There's there's no problem with that. I mean, because Guerra even... lost a bunch of velocity and is basically two-pitch pitcher. So if he comes back 92 in the spring and they've got some other guy, they say, hey, why don't you go to the bullpen, see if you get 95 back. Yeah. What's that? And make him be like a two-inning guy. Yeah, yeah I think exactly. he can still get you some extra outs than just a standard inning. But yeah, I think they can move Guerra, and then um, you know between Guerra Gallardo, they hold Hader the four. Not currently on their starting pitcher depth chart. Is that a failure of us or is that a failure of I Brewers? Think, I think that's an us roster resource thing right now because I think that he's going to be fighting fighting for it. So I mean, he's he's good. Uh, he's, he's really good. good. I agree. I think Shasin Gallardo. And Guerra, Shasin's the only one with a guaranteed spot. Gallardo and Guerra. Yeah. Gallardo grabs could be right that, now. Hater could, could get in there. Guy, and they could yeah. bring somebody in. Yeah. So I I, I think that there's Suter's this job, not I think, is, is not settled either. What's that? Yeah. I think Suter's job is not settled. Uh, Suter Dude needs, throws 86. He, right. he needs to figure <laughs> out. Well, he's not going to be in the rotation. He is a nice multi inning guy, I think, because the third time through, just murdered him. He he was one of those guys with very stark third time through issues. Brent Suter was. I just think that you got to look at it. He's more than a one inning guy, but he's not even a five inning guy. So I think no. you look at him in that two to four inning range uh, as somebody that can bridge the gap on on days when a Guerra Gallardo or Shasin or even a Zach Davies struggles. Um, I mean, obviously, Chase Anderson could too, but that's the guy you're expecting to go six plus with with more regularity so these two moves are, are small moves i think only the chassin one it has fantasy relevance in nl only i don't think they're done making moves let's move on last bit of news jt real muto requesting a trade 
not surprising. I'm surprised <laughs> we haven't heard so that did, uh, Christian has too, because of course they want out. Do you yeah. think he'll get traded? You know, I I think that he I think him and Christian will stay because I I just think that they've got so many years of control that what the heck are you doing if you're trading away somebody that has that many years of control? You know what I mean? Like a catcher and out and you're you're uh, saying you can't you can't compete the next five years. You know, we've talked about this before. It's like once if you trade a guy who has like five years of control left, you are just sad. You're really mailing it in. Yeah. We're really on more of a nine-year plan, so we went ahead and traded those two guys. We got a four-year-old. We really like that four-year-old that's on the come. Uh, no, I, I, I agree there, but I also don't uh, begrudge Real Muto or Bohr or Yelich if, 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 they're, if they're begging out. Uh, even Dan Straley, I wouldn't. You know, I they have no, no leverage though. They have none. They're, they're going to be stuck the there because they have uh, that's yeah. that's that's the way the baseball uh, contracts are set up. They have zero leverage in this deal. Yep. Or, or it, it, I they're, think they're, would go because he's 29 and you know he's closer to the end of his contract. Again, where the hell is he going to go? We just yeah, exactly. We just talked. We about just it. talked about the first base market. You're not going to gain anything for him, so you might as well hang on to him and then try to trade him in season if somebody has an injury strike. I know that's usually the case we talk about with relievers, trade them in season, but I think in this case, he might be better, uh, bore, to to hold on to and see if something pops up for somebody because as it stands right now, if people want a 30-year-old power-hitting left-handed first base bat, They'll just go sign Logan Morris as opposed to giving up any assets for Justin Bohr. So I, I, I completely ag- agree with that. I think uh, it's int- this is still an interesting team, though, because, you know, anybody can be had. <laughs> if you, if you want to call them up and, and talk about Martin Prado or Starlin Castro, you know, they're easy, like Sunday morning. So what you got to do is when you're looking at this and trying to uh, to predict next year and trying to look for opportunities. I think there is a little bit of an opportunity for Brian Anderson because maybe Martin, Martin Prado goes, or maybe Starlin Castro goes and Martin Prado moves over to second. Exactly. Yeah. Brian Anderson, one, one of their few prospects, uh, of, of some real note. Martin Prado. Oh, you want to um, talk about bad contracts. Dude, you know, right now, right now, roster resource has Martin Prado in left and Brian Anderson starting. Do you know how much Martin Prado has left to be paid? $69 million. No. Nice guess, but uh, uh, it's, nice. Uh, nice. we are looking at uh, a let that this is a, so he's got $28.5 million left on his contract. Ooh, that's not great. 28 For a 34, 35 year old who has Yonder Alonso yeah, power. Two years. yeah. Dude, dude is, is a really good clubhouse presence, and people have asked me you know how much is that worth and we've talked about i've seen people talk about it, and there's a great segment actually where dave cameron's on on mlb now where they're talking about how much that's worth we we know it's not worth that much no it's worth yeah. something but it's worth something when you already have a team though too it's not worth what the martin value... prado deal <laughs> exactly it's not worth 12 mil a year on this particular team too. And he can still hit for some batting average. Uh, I know he only hit 250 last year. That was only 147 plate appearances, 305 in 658 the year before. But yeah, I mean, even if they do trade a Martin Prado, they're going to have to kick in bucks, or lot. they're just not going to get anything. And here, you know, here's or it's going to be one a, of those crazy ass predictions. Don Mattingly gets fired and Martin Prado becomes player coach before this contract's out. <laughs> Love that would be fun. Love <laughs> I'm in. I'm in for that. I'm in for that. Starling Castro bench coach, just because 
He's not necessarily a clubhouse guy, but just make him the bench coach, please. Christian Yelich, pitching coach. We're doing it. We'll mix it up a little bit. Um, we're just getting funky over there with the with the Marlins. All right, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, we're, we're going into the holiday break. I'll let you know on Twitter about next week. We can talk offline if the three of us can get together again. See yes. what up to and, uh, and see what's going on. But I hope you guys have a great Christmas hanging out. Any big plans? Any travel plans for anybody on the line right now? I'll let everybody else go first. Well, no, you can go first. We know you have travel plans, so you go ahead and go. <laughs> oh, and tell your travel story, too. Oh, yeah, I got to tell a travel story. So oh, yeah, yeah. Travel I was I was heading down to Orlando, not for the winter meetings, but for work. I just I came down a night early so I could hang out with Eno and, and, and Corey and and watch, uh, watch a player agent eat a 48-ounce steak at Shula's. Um, but I was... <laughs> We were delayed coming out of Charlotte, and I was going to miss my connection. So in the air from Charlotte to Atlanta, I changed my flight. So I'm walking off the plane in Atlanta, and I hear a Jason Collette. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, sir, you're going to miss your connection, so I need you to come with me. And so I start walking up. He goes, no, this way. He takes me outside, down the stairs of the jetway, into a Porsche SUV, drives me around the Atlanta airport to the next gate, and then lets me up the stairs all the, the meantime, he's on the phone changing me back to my flight that I had booked myself off of and then walks me in and puts me in my first class seat. And everybody in the plane is looking at me like, who the F is this guy? Travel <laughs> wizard. That is, is the quintessential travel wizard right there. That this seals amazing. it. It was, what was terrible is he caught me at a moment. That I had zero cash. And I was like, I wanted to. So I ended up sending him a holiday card with some gift cards inside of it the other day because I got his business card. But I was like. I've only heard stories because somebody like a few weeks ago had told me one time I met this dude and he told me that they picked him up with the Porsche and they drove him around. I was like, yeah, that's got to be like an urban legend. I I said, I've been a diamond member for two years. It this never me, happened. Dude. Then it, it happened. Oh, that was you told me the story. Even better. Yeah. My father, <laughs> cool my club. father-in-law who's, who uh, is in biotech and, and, and flies a lot, uh, had that happen to him once, but I don't know if it was yeah. a Porsche though. That's happened pretty, to me, so I got right. to have dinner with. We got to have a ten thirty dinner with Eno and Corey and uh, Will Carroll, uh, Josh Kushnick, uh, you know, bunch of folks, and watch Josh eat that forty eight ounce steak. Eat a forty eight ounce steak. And, and Josh me is for a week. Josh is a is not a big dude, no. uh, and he just killed that steak. It, it may be ill watching him eat it. Yeah, but yeah. Making me sick <laughs> hearing about it. That oh, and he wants to come on this podcast, by the way. You know, yeah, I don't know good. if you heard this on the other end of the table, but he definitely wants to come on and talk. Yeah, he's great. He's a great, great talker. Well, he's an he's an agent, so he can he can I'm let kidding. us know some you stuff. Know, I'm kidding. Oh, he's right. the agent. He might not know. Hugo and Michael Brantley uh, and Jeremy Jeffers, three of his players. No, I, I know, I know. Um, yeah, but yeah, we got to make that happen. That sounds that sounds like a great idea. Um, so I guess he's replacing Eno. Sounds great. Okay, cool. We'll have a new <laughs> co-host. It's a player agent who eats a Maybe lot of he steak. Can segue. Good enough. You know, you're pretty. <laughs> Like with, sometimes you fall off, but that's why we have the helmet for you. It's it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you know, are you going anywhere? Or no, wait, Justin or Jason, are you traveling for Christmas? No, I'm staying home. The only travel I have between now and January 3rd when I go back to work is going to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Ooh, for your UCF nights. Good yes. luck. Yes, a lot so of fun. driving that one, but no more flights. I think Delta's going to call me next week and be like, is everything okay, sir? Uh, did you we pass haven't away? Are you there? Okay. <laughs> yeah. They want to got to make sure they're checking up on their best customer. Eno, are you traveling anywhere for Christmas? Or else what are your, what are your plans if you're not traveling? Uh, I, we've got the whole family here uh, for, for Christmas, but on December 29th, I will be in Chicago. For anybody that's listening, there are still a few seats left 
for Hamble Barres, Thundercat, and uh, two hours of beer tasting uh, before it. So from five to seven is beer tasting and then comedy and music afterwards. Did you say Hannibal Burris? Yeah. I love him. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, he's really funny. He's He's hilarious. I'm really looking forward to it. Thundercat is kind of like funk. So it's like funk and music and and funny stuff and... uh, I mean, I'm excited. It should be a lot of fun. The, the the beers. I'm writing out the beers right now. The beers look great too. So it's uh, that's that would be a lot of fun. Then I'll, I'm just going to be in and out, just Chicago for a day, and then then home again. That should be fun. Jay, uh, Justin, are you going anywhere for for Christmas? No, for I'm going to be working on setting up all the leagues for the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which none go, of you, you can go ahead and talk about that right now. That seems like a good segue right there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm putting together the largest industry league, league uh, that I think fantasy baseball has ever seen. Already got 104 signups as of right now. I got so, the sign up on my screen right now. I have not finished it yet, but I will. It's going to be like an Sometime NFC style uh, uh, tournament with uh, a bunch of different 15 team leagues. An overall winner, Fantrax, has uh, donated a thousand dollars to the prize pool, and I'll probably try to get some more stuff from like RotoWare and stuff like that. Uh, for participants. So, yeah, if you're in the industry and listening, uh, go and check out my Twitter. I've got the link posted where you can go sign up. Sounds great. All right, I guess that's going to wrap it up. Happy holiday. Happy New Year. We'll probably get at least one podcast in next week. Don't know the uh, the participants or the parameters, but we'll make sure that, uh, that you don't go dry during the holidays. Uh, everyone have a good one, and uh, we'll talk later. You know? Thanks for listening. <laughs>